Welcome to the new Tridangelization. I'm your host, Kevin, and this is part two of our FOCO conversation uh, with Dylan and Colton, two um, missionaries. <clears throat> and Dylan is in the process of explaining his thoughts on Gregorian chant. Yeah, so sac <laughs> anyway, Sacrosanctum Concilium, a uh, document from Vatican II, um, which prescribes uh, what the liturgy should look like, the Novus Ordo in particular. Um, says that Gregorian chant has pride of place in the liturgy. And so we're just talking about that and some of the reasons why and what just what is it about Gregorian chant. And people were throwing different reasons out there. And it was funny because, you know, 30 minutes later into the conversation, uh, we actually switched the background music we were listening to from some weird grungy, like, metal that one of the guys liked and we were listening to, just to be polite to him. Um... But we ended up, he ended up switching it to Gregorian chant. And about five minutes into listening to the Gregorian chant, the student who was, who was questioning like the importance of Gregorian chant goes, Huh, you know what? I think, I think I'm, I'm coming around. I think I see why <laughs> this reason. is so important. And his reasoning is like, because this is so, like, it's just so beautiful. Like, I hear it, and I think of God. And it's so profoundly different from what... Um, everything I experience, like, outside of church, outside of the culture. So the Catholic Church does have that tradition of, you know, both Latin as the language of the church, as well as uh, Gregorian chant, ancient hymns, that are something that I think is just absolutely unique to the Catholic Church that you can't find anywhere else, and it's a beauty that I think is vastly overlooked by society. Yeah. Yeah, I, I re recently read an article on 1 Peter 5 um, by Dr. Peter... Kowinski, I know I just mispronounced that, but sorry. Um, basically what that article, this article spoke about, um, I don't know what, it's something, it spoke about praise and worship music, um, contemporary music, and in it he says that, um, you know, not to be rude, but you could probably take some of those praise and worship kind of songs and put, take change the lyrics to be something that's you know, in just your typical romance song that's on the radio, just put those lyrics in and be like, that wouldn't sound out of place. That sounds rel relatively reasonable um, for the type of music that you're, that you're listening to there, um, the instrumental. And so what he's getting at is like, that's not, that's not out of, that, that's, that's totally normal. You're going to this and it's like, you're just getting your normal daily experience, sort of romantic, whatever, um, Whereas, and I think that points to a deeper thing of like, okay, I do believe there's a lot of people who are desiring something like Gregorian chant, and the reason why I think they're desiring that today is because they want something beyond what's just normal. They, because the Gregorian chant doesn't just get to your affections to move you on a purely, or on a more um, emotional and effective level on a, I don't know how to put this, base is probably a bit too derogatory term, but lower level, okay? Gregorian chant lifts us, elevates us to our intellect. You know, it's our intellect that's going to be most moved by Gregorian chant. You know, I think of, when I, Gregorian chant kind of reminds me of thinking, looking at the ocean and just like the endless ocean. You know, that, there's a reason why people, when they see mountains or they see oceans, they think of God because it's so uh, magnificent, literally magnificent, magna, great, um, that that it just, it reminds you of something, it, it's like a certain nostalgia for something that 
we haven't fully seen, but we also know like is there, the divinity. And so people like that's, we have a thirst for that as human beings. I believe that. And um, so when people see like a great chant or whatever, I do believe it can remind them of that. But if we're so habituated to this lower level stuff, one, it can be hard to tolerate that for a very long time um, without becoming agitated or whatever. Um, but two, it can even be hard to just recognize you have that desire in the first place because you're so drowned out with noise and all that. So what do you guys think about that? You know, we do live in a culture that is so numb, I think, to, yeah, just to the sense that we're overstimulated. Um, I think the evidence is, is very clear to just where our generation has grown up in particular, has grown up, um, just completely overstimulated. And so it can be hard to come and sit in a church and be silent for 30 minutes, for an hour. Um, so I guess kind of Colton, like with experiencing candlelight mass and like that having a big difference, like what is it about this? Because this is foreign and it isn't necessarily entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, you're not, it's not the best, going to mass isn't necessarily the best entertainment of your life. It's yeah. not the best rock concert you've ever been to, but it speaks to you and it provided you something that, that you didn't get elsewhere. So what do you think that, that was? Yeah, so I can't remember who said it, but they said uh, the problem with the world is that we can't, you know, we cannot sit in a room by ourselves for an hour without anything and just, just in the silence with ourselves, you know. And uh, going back to what you were saying, like, it, it is kind of odd to think what, what would I get um, from something that was just as silent or as reverent as a Catholic Mass. And it's, um, you know... I do believe that Christ speaks to us in the silence of our hearts uh, without shouting. He, you know, he, he doesn't need to. Um, so, when are you going to hear him the best? You're going to hear him in moments that you uh, take time to, to allow him to speak to you that way. And I think one way was candlelight mass or mass when, um, you know, you have that, that period of silence or uh, um, divine liturgy like that. So. I think Kevin was trying to talk, but he was uh, busy <laughs> sipping some Knob Creek whiskey and then blowing a little smoke. <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> at the same time. Don't try that at home. <clears throat> um, yeah, so I, I'd like to just give my two cents on this topic as well. What is it that people are needing? Um, I, so, I, so having lived in France for a little bit, I saw that Islam is really on the rise. And... You know, it was brought to my awareness too that even in the United States that people are converting to Islam. It's not just they're like moving in, but that's obviously happening. Um, people are converting, and you guys say, "Why would someone want to do that?" Well, I think there's a lot of people who are searching for clear, clear, a clear system of belief, uh, a creed, a creed to live by, um, because as human like we need structure. I just went to see Dr. Jordan Peterson about a week ago um, in Denver speak, and um, he talks a lot about how, you know, to get out of depression, a lot of people struggle with depression today, he says a lot of people, what you need to do is you have a vision in your life, you need to be motivated for something, have a sense of responsibility, something you're working toward in life, to get better, um, that's, that's the nature of human beings, that's, we, we need that, to be working towards, for the good of something, um, to motivate us. And so I think a lot of people, like, but that, that requires having a clear vision. 
you can't just go day to day. That's what a lot of people will do. They don't have a vision, so they don't know what they're going towards, so they don't really have motivation for their day. But if they have a clear vision, then that's going to help them. So if you have a clear creed that you believe in, um, then, then that gives you a structure of, okay, this is what ultimately should be guiding my life. You know, so if you're Catholic, you have literally the creed. We have a creed. You know, we have the Nicene Creed, and we have the Apostles' Creed. Uh, this is what we believe, and that is the, the underlying worldview, underlying perspective that shades everything else we do in life. And so I think people are really, if it's presented in a way where we are showing them this is something concrete, we actually are giving you a belief system uh, to, be, to, to believe in, to say this is the truth, this is objective reality, and that is guiding everything else I do. I think a lot of people, if, they, if it were presented that way, a lot of Catholics don't realize that's what they have, is they have this thing that guides everything that they do. It should. It doesn't make any sense if it doesn't. Um, and so I think that's, you know, if it's presented in a way like, look, this is a creed for you to follow. You're, you're searching for a creed. A lot of people, they're searching, they don't know what the meaning of life or whatever it is, or they're trying to create it themselves, but they know it's ultimately not satisfactory. You can give someone a creed, a doctrine to follow. Um, it's not just some dry thing. It's, this is, this is what is the driving force in my life. And Colton, I, I you know, having con had conversations with you about, since you've converted, you know, or since you decided you want to become Catholic, mm -hmm. that's changed in relationships in your life and how you've looked at life and how you want, who you want to spend time with and how you want to spend your time and what you want to do. I mean, you, you want to be a missionary now. You want to have friends that are Catholic. Like, yeah. it guides everything you do. And people are searching for something to grab onto because we didn't get any traditions handed on to us from the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's, uh, I was speaking to somebody else about how in America, you know, we're um, a melting pot of cultures. So that even adds on to how people are searching for something to cling on to. Um, but I guess one thing I had, you know, you, you're mentioning like having a clear vision in life, whether that be progress and work and things like that. And yeah, I mean, I mean um, look at technology, like it's growing at an exponential rate. But uh, one thing that Kelvin had said um, the one, you know, that... Well, like, Calvin's leaving tonight, yeah. so little toes of Calvin. Yeah. Here, here to Calvin. Yeah. We just got done saying goodbye and, you know, Absolutely. hugging and having some some emotional goodbyes. Yeah, but, many, yeah. many misty eyes. His impact is all here, so um, thanks be to God for his impact here in Poco, but may God rest his soul in Nebraska. He's going back to Nebraska. So, oh, <laughs> fun with those cows. Over there. Yeah. <laughs> fun those cornfields. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but one one thing he said to me early on, you know, my in my path to entering the church was that uh, he's like, "What's my goal here? You know, it's to be a saint." And he's like, "And that's what I intend to um, help everybody that I'm discipling with do." And I, for some reason, like never looked at it that way. Of course, everybody wants to go to heaven, right? But why not make make your goal in life sainthood? Um, and I think just putting that in perspective was so clarifying for me because. Um, you know, when you go on a run, right? Like, or if you, if you're going on a race and they're like, they shoot the gun and they're like, and you just start running, but you don't know how far you're going to run. You don't know how to gauge yourself. You didn't know how to prepare for that or anything. And, uh, and you just be really confused. Right. So like, um, making my goal after that and entering the church of sainthood just really adds, uh, has added character to my life and guided me, um, and that, that should be everybody's goal. So. Would you say, just maybe yes or no, like, did it give you 
much greater sense of purpose and direction in life than you had had before. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because before that, you know, um, you go to a college campus and that's a lot of reason why I want to be a missionary too, but you go to a campus and you're getting pulled in a million different ways, you know, um, whether it be Greek life or varsity sports or, you know, ROTC or, you know, military, whatever it be, um, your, your, what your studies are. Um, and you don't really know what to put your soul into your, your time and efforts into or, or where you're going, you know, what's going to base decisions. And of course, yeah, like you want to go to school with the intention of, um, entering the work field into what you're going for. But at the end of the day, like what's, um, what are you investing most in, you know, and, and what do you, uh, want to model yourself after, you know? So yeah, I guess what was, what was your question? Did it give you greater sense of direction and purpose in life? Yes, it did. Absolutely. Curious. I think it's an interesting concept to, um, to think about yeah, people craving this like overarching narrative, um, this story, this truth, this reality that then brings meaning to their own life um, and the lives of everyone. Because I think on the surface, you know, I look at the culture we live in, the world we live in, the Western world, the United States, um, we're particularly, you know, relativist um, and postmodern. You know, we're very much a society that has rejected an overarching narrative. And we live in this world where um, you create your own meaning or try to find your own meaning. And I think it's, you know, that can be kind of sad in that it's like, okay, if it's up to me to create my own meaning to my own life, like... I'm not that creative, honestly. Um, <laughs> yeah, you are. I'm not going to live that meaningful of a life. I'm only creative when I go on runs. We established sure, yeah, that earlier. Right. Yeah. When I when I run, I just like yeah. have the best ideas, and sometimes they're well, sometimes they turn out good, sometimes they don't. But I yeah, I get creative. But the best. Debatable. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, dang it, Kevin, you made me. Was my train? I did not make yeah. you do anything. You yeah. lost you that that yeah. train went off the trail the, the railroad way long ago. Going off the rails on a crazy train. There we yeah. go. Well, I was saying something about postmodernism. Um, you're you're just trying to send in a lecture. We get it. One of those best ideas, huh? Yeah. That I never heard. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, also I'll talk and we'll come back. Or no, no, no. I I think I could jump back on the on the tracks. Is that possible? Yeah. I think it's a miracle. Yeah. That's another proof yeah. of Catholicism. Definitely. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, anyway, so getting back on the on the train I tracks. Think that was there. one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Get back Dude, on the road. Galatians right? five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was I was also uh, educated by Baptists, so uh, I know I know my scripture on on occasion as well. But anyway, so we could test that. We live in a culture. <laughs> we don't need to, we don't need to test that. I, 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 I was Catholic. I may have been educated by Baptist, but I was also Catholic, so I didn't necessarily take scripture as seriously as I could have. Do I sniff a, a heretic, Colton? I think so. <laughs> Is it? We have a fire right in the back, Dylan. <laughs> we got a fire pit right behind you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Inquisition. Mm. Continue. Mm. <laughs> so, on the surface, it looks... Like, why would our culture possibly want this grand narrative that brings meaning to their life when, you know, we're all about, you know, chasing ephemeral pleasures, um, you know, this overstimulated society. 
we've rejected tradition. You know, we, we really have as a culture. Um, we don't want anything of it. We want to be open-minded um, to whatever the latest new idea is. And so why would Catholicism be the answer? Catholicism is one of the world's oldest religions. Um, and it's kind of what we're rebelling against. A lot of what Catholicism stands for as a culture is what uh, we've rejected. I say we as if, you know, but I think in, maybe in some ways I'm a part of the culture. And I try to be countercultural, but don't always succeed. Um, so yeah, like it's, it's, to me it's kind of like on the Dylan, surface. Dylan now drinks the hemp beer in, in Fort Collins. Just let everyone know. Kevin, we weren't supposed to talk about that. Hempinator, right? No, it's the uh, it's the hemper. <laughs> the hem- the Thank you for the correction, Dylan. So the point proven. Yeah. So <laughs> New Belgium came out with a, a new beer recently called the Hemper. Um, it's called an HPA. It's like an IPA, but like with hemp. So HPA. Um, and it is just a fascinating creation. I I did not love it, um, but it was it was worth it was worth the experience because it's um, rebellious. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, countercultural. Yeah, yeah. Dylan's all about that. To be fair, there's there's negligible to no THC, so it's it's, <laughs> it's like negligible. <laughs> you have to drink like a hundred of them and some. I don't know. It's yeah. it's hemp. It's not. I don't know the science behind it, but it's it it doesn't give you the effects that marijuana would. Just to clear my record, it's like eating a poppy um, muffin. You know, you, you yeah, like like your, poppy seed yeah, muffin. You cleared no record. In fact, you wrote on your own record, "I'm a pothead." <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyway, yeah. Shout out to Paul Pettinger. Works at New Belgium. Great Catholic guy. Very involved. It's Pettinger. In Pettin- Are you Pettinger. okay, Dylan? Okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> oh man. Well, so I may be getting off the train, but. It, it is these guys who are responsible for yeah. me jump. They're like pushing <laughs> my train <laughs> off the tracks. It's yeah, we're it's pretty strong. We can push train so, off the tracks. Anyway, I'm I just going to... wrestle the cow yesterday. Yeah. Calf wrestling. <laughs> there's a branding. Branding north of uh, Fort Collins. And we branded about 350 head of calves. And they were pretty big. And we uh, we broke in, let's see, three other three other guys that were first timers. I have I'm a, a a seasoned vet at calf wrestling. Seasoned vet in North Dakota. Ladies, Colton yeah. Colton is single. He yeah, might be going on a dating class. Yeah, a couple of weeks. Yeah, two weeks here. Then, <laughs> he takes a big move. Yeah, that'd be bold. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, so Dylan, you're talking about yeah okay uh, yeah traditionalism. <laughs> and Bringing this whole thing for full circle. Let's bring this train back on tracks, baby. <laughs> on one level, it seems. Uh, kind of counterintuitive. Why would our culture be looking for something that Catholicism provides? But I think that's just it. You know, we we turn every direction and we're we're disappointed with what we receive. You know, because the overstimulated society these these pleasures are short lasting, um, and then we move on to the next and the next and the next. And so I think we actually deep down, and I think you guys kind of spoke into a little bit, like in Colton, the reality that you found in being introduced to the Catholic Church is that we do seek this overarching narrative, whether we consciously realize it or not. What do you mean by narrative? Um, I think a, a story, a truth, a general truth. Um, so when I say story, I think of like the story of Christ, um, the story of God, the incarnation, God becoming man. You like fit into that. Um, yeah, this, this narrative, this truth, this reality that brings meaning to our life. And it's true for me, and it's true for you, Kevin, and it's true for you, Colton, and it's true for all my neighbors, and it's true for every single human being. Um, in a relativistic society, 
uh, yeah, that's not necessarily what the the culture is preaching to us, uh, but I think deep down that is something that we crave. Right. Yeah. Um, I think the the idea of tradition, a lot of people are craving that. Um, our generation was not raised with the faith. the The generation that raised us was, uh, at least to an extent, okay. Um, but they rejected it for the most part. So, or they were had already it had already been half rejected, and they just did the finishing touches. A, a lot of them, okay. I mean, you go get France, like one percent of pet cactus. This is what I was told. I mean, this is incredibly just. I mean, it's incredible. Um, like one or two percent of Catholics are practicing there. Um, now, wh- what explains that? Well, I mean, it was rejected. But what I think I've seen, I've seen the United States, I've seen France. Our generation, you know, the up and coming, the millennials, are actually pretty open minded. Like, huh, that's cool. Like incense, man, that's sick. Uh, I remember actually when I, I had just come back from, I was just in. I, just come back to the United States from religious life within, you know, maybe two months. And I was visiting Boulder, Colorado. And I'm sure we've mentioned Boulder on the podcast before, but for those of you who don't know, Boulder is the epicenter of um, marijuana pretty much in the United States, I would say. I mean, they, they would have parades in 420s that the entire streets yeah. just be, you know, they'd be in clouds. Boulder it's, basically gives Fort Collins a reason to, like, feel good about itself. Amen. Fort Collins is my hometown, by the way. Um, so, um, what I was going to say is, I was there and I was at my friend's house. He's a, he was at CU Boulder, um, and we were we were sitting there. And his one of his housemates came home. And he was just your classic Boulder guy. Like, What's up, man? You know, just like you know, mountain surfer kind of guy. Um, it's like, oh, what's up, man? I'm like, hey, my name's kind of like Colton. Yeah, kind of like mountain surfer, dude. <laughs> yeah. You should just talk like that the rest of the podcast. All right. Yeah, man. You okay. do it anyways. But we did mention Colton fly fishes yeah. and herds cattle, but he also is a mountain fisher. Yeah. Um, mountain whatever fisher. that means. Yeah. Mountain fisher. Yeah, there's a exactly. thing called a trout bum. More, more accent. Dude. Oh, yeah, trout bum, man. So, like, all you're doing is, is, <laughs> is uh, trying to catch trout all the time, you know? The tug is the drug, they say. Like, <laughs> the tug being, you know, as soon as you hook into a fish, man, and then takes it. Like, take that hit. Take it, yeah, take, take it a hit. A trout. Yeah, Onkerhicus micus. Rainbow. Rainbow trout right there. Rainbow. Uh, you know a little rainbow, bit rainbow, rainbow. Rainbow. Yeah. I'm tripping out now. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the, the, the Latin I know derives from having to memorize like 160 tree names, genus, species, family name, common name, and, uh, and various species of uh, fish. You're practically an expert in life. I'm fat, practically, yeah. Practically. I always call myself an expert. Who else knows Latin when it comes to fish in Colorado? Oh, I mean, no. a lot of people, but <laughs> let's be real. Go on, just be humble. Yeah, yeah. 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 Be humble. Yeah. Alright. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, I was talking about Boulder. Okay, so I'm proving a point here. There's all of this. This is not just a tangent. Okay, this is all relevant. 